Greetings and welcome to the Animal Wellness Podcast, the official podcast of Animal Wellness Action. Hi, I'm your host, Joseph Grove. On this show, we talk about animals from the perspective of people who care about them and have the ability through laws, regulations, culture, business uh, to improve their lives accordingly. You can follow this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and you can also go to our website, animalwellnessaction.org. There you can sign up for all of our email news alerts and see those those buttons uh, to donate to our work. This podcast, uh, in part, but all of our work, depends on your donations. So we, we do like to make that known to our listeners that, by golly, we've got a lot of stuff going on. As I say all the time, we're a lean, mean, animal-fighting machine. Wait a minute, Julie. We're not animal-fighting. I shouldn't say it like that. We fight for animals. Julie has right. never fought an animal. Have you, Julie? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, good. Don't fight any animals, Julie. But we do, we would sure love and appreciate your financial support. A lot of our emails have buttons where you can instantly be connected to a letter that will go out on your behalf to uh, your legislators, your governor, uh, sometimes the White House. Also, you can show your support very easily for any of the legislation that we are fighting uh, to execute on your behalf and on behalf of the animals. One of those pieces of legislation is the FIGHT Act, and I'll, I'll give you what the acronym stands for in a little bit, but it is, it is to address animal fighting, to make stiffer penalties available for law enforcement, uh, to create private rights of action where law enforcement doesn't uh, necessarily do their job. So for example, if, if you have cockfighters you know, next door and you, you want to um, have that shut down, you can take a citizen right of action against that and have that happen. So it's really an important bill. You can find it on animalwellnessaction.org. Look for the end cockfighting page, uh, or you can go to endcockfighting.org and you can be connected to that letter uh, as it is, uh, as it exists and can be sent out on your behalf. We are talking about cockfighting today in a way. Uh, we address the topic a lot. We write about it a lot. And I never really, until I started working with Animal Wellness Action, understood the complexity of the topic or uh, the worthiness of the birds themselves to defend. And that's that's going to be the focus of our show. Julie Marshall is with us. She is part of our communications team. Uh, she is also the author of Making Burrows Fly, the Cleveland Amory story, uh, animal rescue pioneer. So we, we're glad she's with us. So we always have a good time when we're on the show together. And Jewel Johnson is here too. Uh, Jewel came to us when Julie wrote about her for our website. You can find Julie's piece on Jewel on our website. She is the owner and operator of Roosters Sanctuary at uh, Dunsig's Roost, a 38-acre safe haven for unwanted or abandoned chickens and roosters. Uh, the sanctuary, which she started in 2013, is nestled in the high plains of Colorado, about an hour's drive east of uh, Denver. So, Jewel, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Now, now we, we, have, we have facetiously, and I hope you don't don't take umbrage at this, but I facetiously refer to as the chicken whisperer uh, in all of our conversations. And I know that's not what you do. I can tell by by the grimace on your face that you don't like it. And I apologize. It was Julie's idea. I hated it. <laughs> I never wanted to said, Julie, let's not call her the chicken whisperer, but no, Julie kept doing it. Um, Thanks, Joseph. <laughs> yeah. 
that's not true. But 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 it was really fascinating when she brought me an idea of doing a blog because you you do have just a great relationship with these roosters. I mean, I always thought of them as these 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 consistently malevolent nasty birds that we don't want them to suffer, right? Clearly cockfighting is a horrible thing, but I didn't really understand what what nice birds they are. Uh, tell us about how you started the sanctuary and then that can work us into your sharing with us just what fantastic little creatures these guys are. Sure. Um, well, I didn't start the sanctuary for fighting roosters specifically. I um, When I lived in the mountains in a cabin, I had two pet roosters and I was zoned to have them. The neighbors started a petition so I wouldn't be allowed to have roosters. So instead of fighting, I just looked for a cheaper property without neighbors nearby and bought that land out here. And my passion started to grow the more roosters that I rescued. And uh, a couple of years in, after rescuing like barnyard breed roosters, I saw a news clip um, that there was a group of fighting roosters in, in Cheyenne. 71 fighting roosters in Cheyenne and I reached out to them and offered to take some of them and like I thought you know maybe I could make it work with a group of 30 of them I didn't know I've, I'd never rescued a fighting rooster before and I like you I I had only known what I'd heard you know from the media like they're too aggressive they need you know they're dangerous they have to be euthanized like they've been trained things like that that's all I knew but I had this passion for roosters so anyway I reached out to Cheyenne they said yes worked on it with them I ended up getting enough donations to take the entire group so <laughs> I did I took there was 71 to start but on the morning we went to go pick up the birds, uh, one of them had passed away before we got there. So I took all 70 roosters and that was a, a crash course in these birds. Like I had no idea how different they were from the roosters that I'd already been rescuing, like barnyard breed roosters. They're a completely different kind of bird. Well, um, say a little bit about those differences before you go further, right? Because sure. we're under, we're trying to understand what roosters are like generally. Yeah. What what what's the difference between the two type you two types you just mentioned? So these birds are bred to fight, and they're also bred to be handled by humans. And most of them have been handled extensively by humans before the seizure happens. So they're a lot more used to human contact. Um, but they're also very scared. So their anatomy is different. So they're tighter. Their bodies are tighter. Their strength is so much higher than a barnyard breed rooster. And their will to fight with each other is, is fine-tuned. Like they, they want to. Uh, and what I'd heard in our community, like in the animal rights community, from some of the few people that had rescued fighting roosters is that they could cohabitate with each other. Um, so I thought maybe that would be a possibility for them, but it wasn't. These guys really wanted to fight with each other. I also found that they were calm immediately being held. Um, so holding them, they just would collapse into my arms and be comfortable they look right into your eyes. Um, they're just really personable birds. They're completely different though. The barnyard breed roosters seem to be um, 
a little bit goofier and a little bit less focused on things, um, a little bit more carefree. So the, the fighting rooster is a refined bird. It's very like regal. I know it sounds like they're quite vicious when I say that they're like heat seeking missiles, but you put a fighting rooster with a hen and he's not gonna harm a feather on her. Like if you put a barnyard breed rooster with one hen, that one hen's not gonna enjoy life because the barnyard breed rooster is gonna overmount her and just be way too much. But a fighting rooster, he's gonna make her the focus. He's gonna feed her everything before she eats. Um, she'll sleep underneath him at night like a baby chicken. Um, they're very nurturing to the ones that they care about. You just can't put two of them together. If they've been through the process at the game farm or with uh, cockfighting, if they've been through that process, they're not gonna make it very far if, if they're not gonna fight. That is fascinating. I love what you're saying about how they're nurturing of, of the hen and yeah. the hen can, can feel safe with him. That that's fascinating. Julie, when you recommended this piece, did you did you know all of this stuff? No, and I they sound like the ideal man, right? Right. <laughs> oh, wow. Julie, don't don't get us canceled, Julie. You you be careful out there. You watch what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, yeah. You know, a vicious fighter, uh, you know, with others and, and a protector at home. I, yeah, I I, I get it. How much does it cost you each year to, to to take care of a rooster, right? So you have 70 roosters. What's that? What's that cost? Oh, per rooster? I've never broken it down per rooster. That would be really difficult. Um, our annual budget, if we're not doing anything excessive, is going to be about $160,000. But within that budget, there are some cows. <laughs> so the cows... They they eat hay, and in Colorado, hay is so expensive. So that's not really, I can't really figure out what it would cost per bird. But I can tell you, to take in one fighting rooster and build their accommodations from scratch, you're looking at at least a thousand dollars to make them a nice setup. Um, How many do you, you have now? We have 60, 60 fighting roosters right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm working on, I'm working on two seizures that have recently occurred right now. I'm trying to oh. find placement for them. I just got a call this morning on one and the others haven't been released yet. Where was this? Was this in Colorado? Mm -mm. No, out of state and we can chat. Yeah. So people adopt them from you, uh, right. Yes. And, and, yeah. and then just bring them home as, as pets. Yeah. 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 And, um, uh, how do you how do you safeguard against you know making sure that you don't have a covert cockfighter right adopting one of your birds do you do background checks things like that no background checks but it's people that i that i know or people that people that i know know um so they're all kind of in the community in one way or another it's they're not complete strangers why don't you tell our audience about cockfighting, what the birds go through, some of the mm -hmm. implements, um, because I don't think it's easily understood what a cockfight really entails for these animals, just as much as it's not easily understood what, what fascinating animals they are. So there's different styles of cockfighting, and it varies uh, according to where in the world you are. 
Um, a lot of cockfighting here in the United States, they'll use gaffs that are kind of like a, a long point. Um, and then in Mexico, they use what looks like a little blade, a knife. Um, and then there's like naked heel fighting without the attachments. Uh, it depends on where you are and there's um, different lengths of the attachments as well. And originally, um, cockfighters started using those uh, gaffs, those attachments to make it the process more humane because uh, the fighting was taking a long time. So you put two roosters together with just their natural spurs and they could beat and bruise each other for hours and hours and hours and they would just keep on going. But once they started attaching implements to their legs, the fight duration was much shorter and they would die more quickly. Um, so it was a humane reason that they started adding that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's ironic that that would that would be called more humane. And certainly I, yeah. I say, you know, yeah. I, I say the angle in in that. And and I assume there's also a monetary reason, because if the fights go on a long time, you can't have as many fights or as many wagers, yeah. uh, you, you know, so I yeah. suspect there's a little bit of a motive there sure. to it as well. Uh, we'll overlay you know, some footage we have of uh, cockfights, or at least one that I, I know I have, and it just shows how violent, you know, they are. I mean, these are just horrific things to watch. We work with a guy by the name of Steve Hindi, who runs an organization called Showing Animals Respect and Kindness, Shark, and he has a network of um, clandestine videographers who go out there and, and record some of these. The whole culture seems to me, Jewel, just to be to be seamy top to bottom, you know, taking children to them, which is, uh, which is certainly, you know, I think that's even a felony. Uh, you know, you, you have all sorts of gambling uh, on these uh, premises. You have doubtless, you know, a lot of illegal drug use. We know that for a fact, uh, illegal weapons, and you get outside the United States and some of the gambling debts you know, people get get killed over these, right? And we Wayne writes about a woman um, who sold her children to pay off, you know, cockfighting, uh, gambling debts. Uh, so it, it it's just crazy. What what concerns do you have, or how has bird flu impacted you? We talk a lot about the connection between cockfighting and bird flu. Jewel, uh, do you have to take precautions? Um, we. In the beginning, we're um, taking more precautions than we are at this time. Like we wouldn't take in a single new bird or anything like that um, and decontaminate before, you know, coming back home from somewhere and having hay deliveries happen outside the gate, that sort of thing. Um, but it was surprising to me with the bird flu that people like us that run sanctuaries, we're on lockdown and we're, we're scared, but the hatcheries for like, you know, egg farms and, and broiler farms were just pumping them out like nothing was going on. And they're traveling around the U.S. with all these baby birds. Like They didn't bat an eye. They didn't stop. You're not paying any money into the economy, Jewel. That's the thing, you know. I mean, you yeah. know, clearly uh, that that's what's going to carry the weight there. Yeah. Talk, talk about what a day looks like for you. Certainly you have no trouble being awakened in the morning, I'm guessing. No, I can sleep right through that stuff, actually. Um, crowing is just a normal sound. If there is no crowing, that's going to wake me up, actually, because something's not <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so gosh, a normal day here, I take care of the special needs birds first. And I'll tell you, if you don't mind a little bit about this fighting rooster I had named Rocky, who a few months ago, um, I just had to have him euthanized. It was so sad, but for health reasons, because he was an old man. Uh, and that's a blessing that he made it into old age with arthritis and a failing heart and old man ailments. But uh, six years ago, he broke his jaw. And that's not that uncommon for a fighting rooster to break one of their own bones. They're that strong. One hit and they can break their legs sometimes. I've seen it twice. Um, so Rocky broke his jaw. And for six years, I had to hand feed him every single calorie that he consumed for six years. And that was, you know, two or three meals a day and about 60 bites of food per meal. And in order to do that, I've never been able to build this relationship with any other beak injury bird, but Rocky, a fighting rooster, we coordinated each bite. It was a synchronized cooperation and a relationship that we had with each other. Uh, every bite, you know, he would come down to the pellet and I would bring the pellet up to his beak. And it was, it was synchronized and perfect. And I don't believe I would have ever been able to do that with any other kind of chicken. And I believe it is because he was bred to be kind of a team um, with humans. They're worked with in that way. And they're not going to want to breed roosters that can't be worked with in some way. That reminds me of the story you told me about when visitors come to your sanctuary, uh, you tell you try you tell the children to go to the fighting roosters first. Yeah, because they're good yeah. birds. And that yeah, and, and a couple of things that you mentioned, Joseph, about children going to fighting fighting rings and things like that. Um, it's a kind of a spiritual world as well in cockfighting. There's a lot of you know, talk about God and spirituality and family and, and wholesome things like that. And so they believe that um, it's, you know, sanctioned by God for them to be fighting these birds. So there's nothing wrong in their eyes and taking children to it because they think that it's going to keep those kids out of like real trouble, like drugs and things like that. So the mindset in that community is so it's so foreign. <laughs> yeah. It's so different. Hmm? Go ahead. Go ahead, Joel. When cockfighting seizures occur on game farms rather than during a fight, uh, the game farms have a variety of different roosters on site of different ages and in different stages of elimination. So the process of raising a bird for cockfighting starts the day that the bird hatches. And that process involves tons of killing. So it's killing by this little, you know, young baby doesn't do this right. He's not going to be a good candidate for fighting. So we're going to, we're going to kill him, um, you know, or he turns around and runs away from a confrontation. We're going to kill him. So they whittle it down and whittle it down the older that they get uh, so they can identify the qualities that they want to use in a fighting rooster. So when a game farm it, uh, the seizure happens on a game farm, you can have the birds from any different stage in development. If you uh, take in, happen to take in some of those birds that would turn tail and run from a fight, then you can probably have them cohabitate and um, you know intermingle with other roosters. Because everybody's different, right? They're not like all fighting roosters are the same. Otherwise, they wouldn't be fighting the roosters in the first place. They're trying to you know find the best or you know the ones that never give up. 
everybody's different. So I do have a lot of fighting roosters that run around with other birds because they grew up around other roosters. They never went through the whole process. But the ones that have been through the whole process, forget it. No, I don't put them together. There's no way. Have you ever been attacked or injured by one of these birds? Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. And it usually happens right after the seizure because they're terrified. They don't know what's going to happen to them. And they're in fight or flight. And mm -hmm. their op first option is to fight. Yeah. And, and how do they how do they confront you? Do they, do they peck at you, claw at you, fly in your, your face? And what, no. what, what does a rooster attack look like on a human? Well, funny enough, the fighting roosters aren't the ones that go out of their way to get me, but the times that I've been kicked by them is because I'm reaching for them. So mm -hmm. it's self-defense. It, they're defending themselves from an attack, which they believe that I'm out to get them. I'm not, but how are they supposed to know? They're scared, but the roosters here in my past that will go out of their way to kick me, it's the barnyard breed roosters. Yeah. Not the fighters. Well, I've been they're, they're, that. well <laughs> the, those, those barnyard roosters, foghorn leghorn, you know, I always <laughs> thought he was a pretty decent bloke, but I guess not, Julie. I feel like as long as you have some good genes on, you're okay. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that's my experience. It's really not a big yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah, they're really, they're not very heavy. They don't weigh more than 10 pounds. Like, come on, <laughs> not that big yeah. of a deal. Yeah. I'm a chicken. Yeah. Well, that's a horrible <laughs> pun. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, no, I'm not going, going to run that. The, the, the geese at the mall parking lot. When they're yeah. flying through and lay their eggs there, I just stay away from those. Yeah, uh, good idea. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. But, but they're, I mean, but they're affectionate. Like the photos you showed us of, of mm -hmm. visitors, they're snuggling in their arms. Like they mm -hmm. enjoy being held and they're, they're giving back affection, right? Yeah, definitely. They'll choose to sit beside you. If there's nobody else around, they'll come and sit right next to you. It's where they want to be. Really? That mm -hmm. is fascinating. Yeah. Gosh, they're almost, you know, you would associate that with, with a dog or, or, or a cat maybe. But um, that's interesting. Maybe a cat. <laughs> the cat, you know, deigns to do that. Um, and, and, and I guess you would say you really do perceive an emotional connection there. Do you feel bonded with as much as you bond with them? Yes, absolutely. Um, another thing that I've noticed, I have a, a sister who's a trauma therapist. And she has watched me interact with these roosters here. She said that the work that I do with them is very trauma informed, you know, letting them approach me initially instead of going after them. Cause I told you, if I reach in after them, they're in, you know, self-defense mode. Um, but she was here visiting a couple of years ago. And I had this one rooster fighting rooster named Micah, and he was a nervous wreck. And I was the only one that was able to pick him up. And it was only when it was dark at, at night that I could pick him up. Well, one night she was helping me with chores and close up the coops. And she went into Micah's coop and picked him up and he didn't scream. He didn't run. He was calm. And I said, well, what did you do? Like, how did you do that? I'm the only one that could hold him. And she used like a heart-centered breathing. She focused on her breathing and a calmness in that way. And I always thought that stuff was kind of like hippie nonsense, honestly. 
until I saw it actually work with, with Micah. So then I started doing that with the more like tense roosters at night. Cause I have to pick them up by hand at night in the winter to put them in their coops. And, um, it works. I center myself, I center my breathing. And if I approach them on exhale, they're much calmer. It's a, it's a silent close up night. You know, nobody's afraid when I pick them up, it's, it's quiet and calm because they know they're paying complete attention. They know exactly what's going on. If I go outside to put the roosters into their coops at nighttime um, and I'm, you know, in pain or I'm in a bad mood, they pick up on it. So I go back inside, have a cup of tea and then try again later. Yeah. They're sensitive. Yeah, they know. Yeah. They're really in tune. The fighting roosters, they're more in tune with humans and more sensitive than the backyard roosters, kind of what you were saying. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you approach them on exhale because mm-hmm. if you're getting ready to attack something, I guess the natural animal thing is you take a deep breath in before you go in to confront. And if you're doing it on exhale, maybe they just, they don't maybe. get that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're very cool. Well, yeah. how can people, uh, Jewel, support your work, right? Where can they learn more? Give us your website, your Facebook, you know, what, what do you need? Uh, our listeners like to take action. So help them take some action here. Sure. Our website, um, donations are the most important for us. Um, if you're local in Colorado, we love the help and I would love some help enriching some of these coops for the fighters specifically. Um, but donations can be made through our website. It's roostersanctuary.org and there's a donate button on there. And um, yeah, it would definitely be helpful right now. So we can help a couple of roosters from this, these pair of cockfighting seizures that have just happened. You're the only one taking in the fighting roosters, or at least one of a handful. How, how would you say it? Yeah, there's, there are other sanctuaries that will take in fighting roosters for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I think that the the passion and the focus of Rooster Sanctuary is not really matched for fighting roosters with other organizations, but hopefully it is. And hopefully it'll grow because there's so many out there when the seizures happen. I mean, we need a lot of people to take so them in. This issue can't be solved by sanctuaries. We, we need sanctuaries, but we need more than that, we it might be a nice segue for the farm bill, but but just if you could help us understand the enormity of this problem, how many birds are out there and need help? Um, some game farms have thousands of roosters on the farm. So <clears throat> when authorities go in and shut down a game farm, it's difficult finding enough of the euthanasia solution to euthanize everybody humanely. Um, so there's thousands of them like that. There's some game farms with just a dozen roosters, but in most cases, it's going to be you know between 50 and 100, and even placing that many roosters is difficult. Um, the game farms are everywhere, so I mean, there's one 13 miles from my house out here in Colorado. They're everywhere. Uh, do you do you let law enforcement know, Jewel, of your availability to to take mm-hmm. some of these birds? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My work in Oklahoma has saved hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fighting roosters because I reached out to them. Um, And then in Weld County, I reached out to the sheriff in Weld County a couple of years ago because there was, like you said, uh, there was a cockfighting event. The people 
there were so many people there, the officers weren't able to arrest everybody there. So they had to take names of the attendees to the cockfight and then go uh, find those people later. And they took, the cops took us to one of the game farms a few weeks after serving the warrant on that cockfight. And by that time, you know, they had hidden all of the illegal paraphernalia, like the gaffes and things. So, yeah, they do. Yeah. They do know that we're available. How long do you typically keep a bird from the time you know it comes in until the time you find a home for it? I Him like or to find homes before I pull from the shelter, uh, so it's right away. The ones that I have here now are ones I've rescued like back in 2015 and then a group of them from 2019 where the adopters that I prearrange drop out they don't want to take them after I've gotten them so it's usually quite quickly right away anything I've not asked uh, that you would like to say to our listeners I just want to stress most of all that each one of these birds do make great pets so if somebody has backyard chickens which I don't really support um and they're zoned to have a rooster, it would be really great for, for some of these people to take in a rooster as a pet. They'll be really happy and it'll, it'll provide a home for them and he'll be able to be an ambassador for the other roosters that are mm. roosting fighting. And they're oh. gorgeous. They're, yeah. I've seen, the, oh, they have like blues and just their colors are, they're, they're like a work of art. Mm -hmm. I would have one if I didn't have mm -hmm. so many cats. <laughs> no, they could, they don't, yeah, they'll be the boss of the cat. Really? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Joel, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, it. It was nice to read Julie's story. Super cool to talk to you. And you're doing, you know, great work uh, for sure. And No, absolutely. And we'll send you a link to the show. And, you know, if you want to put it on your website or whatever, that would be uh, terrific as, as well. And please, please do send us some some video content when you can. Let us know how you're doing because we really are going after in a major way cockfighting because these are, as you described so well in this show, these are incredible animals who don't deserve to be put at risk of death and maim, being maimed uh, just, just so some people can stand around and make a few bucks and, and, do whatever it else is that, that they do. So uh, uh, it's been great to talk to you on that. Uh, Julie, thanks for joining me on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you, of course, always uh, to our listeners. Appreciate your listening to the Animal Wellness Podcast. Do go to animalwellnessaction.org. If you would, please sign up for our news alerts. You will get news on what is happening in our fight against cockfighting, now expanded into an increased effort with the Fight Act uh, and uh, I won't try and say what all that stands for, but you know how the government is. They come up with very clever acronyms sometimes for their bills, but I'll put it in the show notes. But you can get our news alerts and, and certainly, you know, uh, your, your financial largesse is always appreciated. As Jewel knows, uh, it takes a lot of money to not only take care of the animals once they're in our hands, but also to work against these perpetrators so animalwellnessaction.org. Thanks for listening to the show. I've been your host, Joseph Grove, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Animal Wellness Podcast.